Welcome to the 35th episode of the Practical Operations Podcast. I'm Brendan Diesendorf. I'm Jack Neely. We are here to talk about the practical side of operations work. This week, we're talking about scaling metrics delivery systems and some of the challenges of moving data at scale. So our gentle readers, or listeners rather, may know fairly well at this point that we handle visibility systems. I've done a lot with logging and you have done a lot with metrics. Yep, and we talk about it a lot. Can you talk a little bit about some of the challenges you've faced in scaling up the metrics delivery pipelines that you run? So I wanted to give sort of an overview of the StatsD system I run, uh, because I think it's it's one of the things I feel like I've had the most successes and challenges with, and I've gotten to a surprisingly good place, yet I still have some very interesting challenges moving forward. So... When I, oh, well, StatsD in in general is very simplistic. Uh, my developers love it. They cobble together a string that represents a metric. They fire that in a UDP packet. They no longer think about it. So it's super simple from the application point of view to submit a metric. That sounds a Stats, lot like graphite. It's not too dissimilar. StatsD gobbles up those data points, builds summary metrics over a span of time, like 60 seconds or so, and submits the resulting metric directly to Graphite. So with a simple fire and forget methodology, suddenly you have metrics in Graphite that you can get valuable insight from. So why would you do this instead of just using Graphite directly? With Graphite directly you need to send metrics on a continuous interval, say once every 60 seconds or once every five minutes. You need to, in your application, do enough math to keep those uh, counters or summary statistics that you want in Graphite running in your application so that you can push them to Graphite, which adds a little bit more complexity to your application compared to StatsD that does all that stuff for you. It also so limits for, you to a per-host or a per-process model, I'm assuming. So you couldn't do metrics of five web servers. You have to do metrics of each web server individually and then aggregate later. Oh, it so depends. That's an important part of of what my lovely client has done. But we'll get to that. Sorry for jumping ahead. Yes, we'll get to there. Um, so StatsD, super simple from application point of view. I think really that's why it's become so popular. When I started working uh, at my current client, and one of the things I found myself dealing with was their StatsD setup. I found the machine they were running StatsD on, and it was a centralized singular machine running one really old copy of the StatsD Node.js stuff from Etsy. It was pegged at 100% CPU. And there was a sort of general feel, general complaint, that the StatsD metrics didn't seem to reflect reality. And I definitely figured out that, hey, the daemon's running at 100%. Hey, the daemon's dropping a lot of metrics. What's going on here? 
So I did some analysis on on the packets that the daemon was processing, which StatsD lovingly provides for you, and figured out that it was processing at full tilt about 30,000 metrics a second. And each metric is encoded in a single UDP packet in most cases. So that's 30,000 packets a second, uh, 30,000 interrupts a second that process has to handle. That's a whole lot. Eh, it's reasonable. And the network interface also has to handle all of that and all of the other pieces down the stack. But you definitely have to think down the stack that there's an interrupt being generated for each packet of to ask the operating system service the packet, which passes it to a buffer that your uh, stats the application is listening on. And Node.js is is an event-driven server architecture buzzword compliant thing, and they say it's really fast. But for event-driven network daemons, 30,000 packets a second just ain't a lot. So I whipped out uh, my good friend TCP dump, and I said, and I asked it the question, well, how many packets are we being sent? Are we actually receiving? Yeah, that number was about 750,000 packets a second. So you were dropping 95% of the packets on the floor, basically? Essentially. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So That would explain clearly, some inaccuracy in, in data and people not feeling like StatsD had a, a pretty good grasp on reality. Yeah. Yeah. And that part of the issue I have with StatsD is that it's designed to to collect and analyze and store a statistically significant sample of the data that's being tossed at it. UDP packets, there's nothing to resend the UDP packets if there's an error. If there's an error along the network path, the packets just get dropped. Your application has done its fire and forget, and it has long since forgot. So if packets get dropped along the way, the design of StatsD is it's going to collect a statistically significant sample. You're going to get enough trend analysis, um, uh, enough measurements to do a, a 99th percentile to have a statific, statistically reasonable measurement and trends for your for your application. But that's only able to measure statistically significant of what it gets. So that kind of assumes you're sending it 95% or 90% of your data. It's not assuming you're, you're getting it 5% of your data. Yeah, that's the design. But with its super simple nature, the developers and most people that think of, of working with these metrics or do work with these metrics think that every single metric they admit is being received and processed and that everything should be 100% accurate. So, for example, when you send an account metric on StatsD to say the number of times a user hit a certain page, you expect that count to reflect in the server logs identically. That's the, that's the feedback I get from my users. And with, in the beginning, when StatsD was so very unreliable, uh, that set up a really interesting dynamic as far as 
how trustworthy, how reliable it's either 100% accurate or totally broken. And I guess in the uh, reality is that that a lot of people don't really grasp the idea of a statistically significant sample. And then again, you know, sometimes when you want good metrics, you expect them to line up with your logs and sort of match reality. So but what's needless the path- to say, when you're dropping 95% of the packets, that's not accurate in any sense of the word. So how do you dig out of this? If somebody else found themselves in, in the same position where they're dropping lots and lots of packets, what's the best way to remedy this and kind of stop the bleeding? I would suggest you uh, rent a TARDIS. I know a person that, that rents them for a reasonable rate and stop time. <laughs> so this problem definitely took me some time to work around and realize and figure out a solution that was going to scale. I had a good bit of experience going into this about scaling internet applications. Um, I'm tempted to use the word web scale, but well, that's kind of tainted. So I had some techniques up my tool bag, but in order to implement them and actually see the results, probably took a couple months because this turned out to be a fairly major undertaking. More testing of the Node.js statsd code really indicated that 30,000 packets a second was about its limit. After about 15 or 20, it started to drop packets. And when you, as you got up to about 30,000 packets a second, everything above that just, just hit the bit bucket. So I realized I had to run a bunch of these StatsD daemons in parallel and shard out the metrics to them. The way StatsD works, and the way Graphite works, you have to direct each metric for a specific key to the same StatsD server, so that when it builds summary metrics, it has the complete picture. And there is only one StatsD daemon submitting those summary metrics to Graphite. Since Graphite has the tendency of last write wins, you don't want multiple daemons to process the same metric keys. They end up overwriting each other in Graphite, and then you just have malarkey. And even worse, because I've seen this actually happen before, even worse, one of the, the symptoms you get is data. your most recent data point changes from one value to another, depending on which stats daemon has written most recently. Ah, yes. Thank thank Graphite for that lovely, that bit of loveliness. Yeah, it's one of those features of Graphite that I usually love where you can send data out of order, but in this case, it really can bite you. It has allowed some bad habits to form. But knowing that that behavior of Graphite was definitely really key to understanding the problem well. So about this time, uh, I realized I needed some sort of proxy for StatsD that was aware of the application layer, that was uh, layer 7 aware of the uh, network protocol, so it could shard the network protocol and shard up to the daemons uh, correctly. 
at about that time, the Etsy folks uh, working on StatsD uh, were going down the same path, as far as I could tell. They were generating a uh, StatsD proxy, also in Node.js, as part of the uh, StatsD project. And, okay, I thought this was great, but it was written in Node.js too. It was subject to sort of the same packet loss rates. Well, I imagine, though, that by being a relay, it had less actual computation work to do, so it could get it could get higher throughput, right? It didn't do any more computation, but as as far as its event-driven nature, I couldn't push any more packets through it, or not statistically significant amounts of more packets. Oh. So it was still around the 30,000 packets per second that it sort of capped out, and everything else dropped on the floor. And this was two or three years ago at this point, but I think there were some other options about uh, multiple threads and multi-CPU. And so I had a little tool that would abuse StatsD, which I use for load testing. And that's what I was using to test out this proxy tool. And I believe at one point I figured that I could, with like eight cores going almost 100% and multi gigs of RAM, I could start to do like 100,000 or 200,000 packets per second. Ouch. And it was, it was just not good. And I realized that that was not the solution. So I had been to a conference, I had been to the Surge conference about this point in time. And I had come back seeing lots of presentations about uh, Google's new language called Go. And it kind of appealed to me, and I wanted to learn more about it. So my very first Golang project is a tool I call Stats Relay, which was precisely aimed for this exact problem. It receives StatsD format metrics. It looks at the key, it does some consistent hashing or uses Google's jump hash and redirects those keys to a pool of daemons underneath. So that probably took, that was most of the time in creating the solution was building that code, testing it, make sure it was up to snuff. But with Go, this was back in the Go 1, 2, and 1, 3 days, that little bit of Go ended up handling. Oh, I wrote it down somewhere. It, I think it was on the order of like five or six hundred thousand packets per second. That's an incredible increase. How much RAM and CPU did it use to get there? Like half a core of CPU and a few meg of memory. A few meg of memory? Not a few a hundred few. meg of memory? Well, it is the Go runtime is pretty heavy, so it's probably a few hundred meg of memory. But it wasn't anything that bothered me running on a 32 gig system. Wow, that's a that's an incredible difference. And in reality, it just reads off a UDP buffer, off a UDP socket, fills up a buffer, tosses that buffer down a channel, 
and say process this buffer, I'm going to fill up a new one. And it gets into a pattern of cycling those buffers, which are, I think, like a megabyte in size. And it turns out to be super simple and work really well with the Go CSP model and its uh, garbage collection stuff. So that that was super awesome. So that but, gets you past the computation side, but how do you handle the, the network and interrupt side of the metric stream? The stats relay at maximum punishment, you know, at, in the 500 or 600,000 packets a second, still wasn't the load that I was had measured was coming into my one stat C daemon. So that program or that tool by itself wasn't the complete solution. One of the things I've had a lot of experience with in past life is using the Linux Virtual Server Project, or LVS, uh, to do load balancing with Linux hardware. Um, so one of the things I did in former life was replace hardware load balancers with two or three Linux boxes running LVS and a uh, health checking program called Keep Alive D, which is really awesome if you ever come across it. And that combination has allowed me to do magical failover, moving IPs around, uh, load balancing incredible amounts of traffic. I can set up active-active uh, pairs of nodes. So I'm not just running in a active-passive where if I blow one machine... That's all throughput I can handle. I can literally push throughput through both machines. So that has worked really well for me, but it was a a totally foreign technology to the client I was working with. They used lots of HAProxy and other load balancing tools aimed at at REST APIs and web-based stuff. I've noticed that as the REST API and the HTTP endpoint becomes ubiquitous, that the tools that handle things other than just HTTP proxying have become less commonly used. Um, and More I also have a... Less maintained. I have a deep, deep-seated deep love for LVS and the IPVS and all of those pieces that make basically load balancing any arbitrary traffic that you like, if it's TCP or UDP, any port, any type, any protocol, you throw it at it and it can handle yep. it and it can do it. It's... It's wonderful for that. And you can get rid of your F5 and you can get rid of all the other extraordinarily expensive hardware appliances that you use for load balancing. And you can do it all on commodity Linux white boxes. And it's amazing. Anyway, sorry. That's my shameless plug for it. Oh, I so totally agree. And UDP is a little special because LVS and IPVS don't have they don't have a concept of the UDP protocol and any sort of connection-oriented or resending is handled at the UDP protocol layer, which LVS is blissfully unaware of, unlike TCP, where that's all built into the TCP protocol. So there's a magic switch one can toss in LVS, which load balance, which tells it to load balance each UDP packet as if it was its own connection, which is exactly what StatsD packets are. It's one packet... There's no context. Just round robin that packet to the next 
uh, um, real server underneath. So I used a combination of LVS doing layer three load balancing to load balance my layer seven load balancers, which in turn was able to deliver traffic to, I think at one point I was running like 120 StatsD daemons. Wow. That's a, that's a large fan. How many daemons were you running per host, if you can say? I was running two, and I was running them on the graphite cluster, which had a fairly large back end. So I had, and it had plenty of CPU horsepower to spare in the storage back end. So that's why I ended up putting the StatsD daemons there. Okay, that's, that's a reasonable co-location decision. Yeah, but the the problem I was dealing with was the distribution of StatsD keys toward the underlying daemons is one pattern, but there's also the frequency of StatsD keys. So I had a handful of StatsD keys that were really, really hot in the 10 or 20,000 a second rate. And that metric alone would end up pushing over a stats, one specific stats D daemon and causing it to be more dropsy and would cause the other keys that were routed to that same stats D daemon to be less accurate. How do you get out of that particular? I ran more daemons. <laughs> and just keep on spreading it out and spreading it out and hopefully you get I the hot keys I ran more daemons from... until I got my hot daemons reasonable enough. Is there any way to manually figure out ahead of time which which hashes go together so you know how to spread the load of your of your hotkeys away from each other or is that not reasonable? For me that turned out to be too computationally in, intense to do load balancing side because you Fair end enough. up starting to have some sketch algorithms of of what's hot and what's not and the load balancing tools that I wrote along with LVS, all I wanted it to do was be fast. So how do you move forward from that? Because scale is a thing and you're always getting the amount of data coming in. It's always going up. I know what's, what's the next step? How that happens. So that setup lasted me over a year, 18 months or so. And fortunately, a part of that time, my graphite cluster was growing leaps and bounds. So, the more I expanded my graphite cluster, the more stats D daemons I got on the back end. And there was a, a little bit of an equilibrium there. Um, bumps I hit along the way, there is definitely some network card tuning and some kernel tuning that one might want to do. Anything in specific for our, our gentle listeners? Yeah, I'm trying to... I remember from conversations that you and I had that one of the pieces is connection tracking, um, but I know that may not be entirely so on your LVS load balancers. You definitely want to exempt this traffic from connection tracking because the connection tracking code in IP tables adds a lot of additional work that must be processed at each interrupt, and well, that adds up. 
there is definitely some CPU affinity things with the queues on your uh, network interface card. So most uh, server class network cards end up with four or eight or more queues that handle incoming packets. And so you can configure this. So if you're willing to accept some reordering of packets, and since my order really doesn't matter, I was totally up for some reordering. Uh, what I was able to do was map each queue off of the NIC to a specific core on my LVS box. So I got really even distribution uh, CPU-wise. Um, if you've ever seen KSoft IRQD running on your system, yes, that's the kernel uh, IRQ handler. And there is a thread for each CPU. So I, I definitely had some tuning to do to make sure that one CPU wasn't doing all of the work in my load balancers, that it was more spread out. There's other random bits of tuning that that modern network cards can do. Some of it I found uh, less useful than others. The Cloudflare folks have several uh, several blog posts about handling a million packets a second along the same lines. And they talk about some of that uh, network card tuning and how to set up your kernel to take advantage of that. So their information was also really handy. And we'll have links to that in the show notes if you're trying to follow this, this chain of thought. But one of the, one of the real problems I tripped along on the law on the way is that I had one virtual IP address that was for StatsD. And the packets would come into my load balancer, and then my load balancer would have to send them again. So if my load balancer was receiving eight or 900 packets per second... Eight or 900,000, I think you mean. Yes, eight or 900,000 packets per second. It's also sending them back out so that's really you know, six uh, 1.6 or 1.8 million packets a second off of a single so, host on a single host and really I realized that around uh, 800,000 packets a second incoming was sort of the line of my comfort the line where the the performance of the load balancer started to decay. So one of the simple things I did was I added more load balancers since they're active, active uh, sets of load balancers. And I added more IP addresses and made a DNS round robin uh, set of VIPs for StatsD. So when you send a metric towards StatsD, your client will resolve that to the first IP address it gets back in the DNS re uh, response. But how do you make sure that the metric goes to the right stats deep? Oh, it's a shared <laughs> consistent hash. Never mind. Well, yes. Yeah, so the packets end up going to one of multiple load balancers and the load balancers send it to the same pool of, of stats relay daemon underneath. And all those are, are, configured consistently so they 
direct the same metrics back to the same underlying stats D server. You you don't. So you have to make sure in that case that you have all of your stats relay boxes using the same hash or the, the same stats pool of relay servers. Boxes have to have the same hash ring. And if you're off even by a little bit, you're going to have chaos until they reconverge. Configuration management is your friend. But yes, doing updates to the hash ring, for example, introduces a period where A, I have to restart the daemons. B, there's a period where daemons may have one configuration, some daemons have the other configuration. So between Puppet and Ansible, thank you, Ansible, I can keep that to a relatively small window. But you're still going to under-report on some because UDP packets will be dropped, and you're still going to clobber some others because the hash rings are are inconsistent between daemons, right? So while I try to avoid updating hash rings, yeah, sometimes I have to do it. And that usually affects, uh, since I do 60-second stats-D windows, uh, flush intervals, there we go, that's a stats-D term, that usually affects two or three minutes worth of traffic. And usually it's not enough for people to really notice unless someone's really paying attention to something else and doing some comparative analysis. Like those guys who run that stinking Elasticsearch cluster and they use StatsD heavily to to watch the traffic coming into the pool. And then verify it with their logs. Crazy help people. Man. I wonder who that could be. Yeah, I don't know. So what's the the next piece of this? It sounds like there's yet another reveal coming. Another reveal. So that's how things grew over 18 months or so. But as I got past the holidays this past year, of course, the throughput on StatsD kept going up and up. And I wanted to try some techniques to reduce the size of the graphite cluster which means I would be reducing my stats D daemons, which would be bad. And basically, after the Christmas period, I was running a few hundred thousand packets per second above what I had originally set as my scaling goal. So I knew I had to do something to to patch up the ship before the, the leaks sank me. So at that point, I started looking at C implementations of the StatsD protocol or the StatsD daemon. There are a lot of different implementations of the StatsD daemon out on the old internet. There's some Golang implementations I looked at. Uh, there's StatSite, which is written in C, which I ended up using. But there, um, the folks from GitHub have a StatsD implementation that's also really neat. I think that's also written in C. But it's very specific and didn't support all the features that that we were using. So that ended up being more work than than it would be worth. There was was one that didn't support floats in the incoming StatsD stream. That sounds kind of arbitrary in terms of a limitation. Yeah, yeah, that ended up not working for us because, well, we submit floats. And in most cases, you know, folks are submitting counters of, hey, plus one event. This event happened. And that's clearly all integers. 
but when but you're sending timers or something and you don't always send in milliseconds or nanoseconds you're sending in whatever the, the application's emitting you need to be able to and you know who was the uh, person our lovely client that was doing that the most they also run a large logging cluster yeah sorry about that <laughs> We, we do a lot of timers um, in the back end to keep track of how quickly we're processing logs and how how fast various pieces of the system are moving. And some of it's measured in, in counting objects and some of it's measured in counting durations of things. And we want reasonably accurate math about how long these things take. And that's important. So, yeah. So, site, which I'll have in the show notes, is really the code I fell in love with. It was written in C as the Lord God himself intended. The language the universe was written in. So you know that you can actually make something perform. I did some basic testing. And one stat site daemon, I believe, was up in the 500 packets per second. Basically equivalent to my stat site demons as far as the amount of throughput. 500,000 packets a second. Thank you, Brendan. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I lose some of those least significant digits. Yeah, it's just a couple (laughs) orders of magnitude here and there. A few zeros. We're friends. What's a few zeros between friends? So, um, StatSite had a really amazing feature that was sort of the the killer feature for working with StatSite. StatSite would read the StatsD style metrics in. It would then compute its summary metrics, which were very, very configurable. And it actually does better summary metrics than Graphite, or uh, excuse me, than the Etsy StatsD implementation. Um, but what really sold it was the fact that when StatSite wanted to report to its underlying time series database, it did so in a generic fashion. It had a singular protocol that it wrote toward what it called a sync. And it was the sync's job to take that singular protocol and transmit it, transmute it uh, into graphite metrics or open TSDB metrics or influx or whatever your time series database of choice was. So it sounds like it's reasonably portable and reconfigurable. Can you send a multiple syncs at once or just one at a time? Just one at a time, but you know once you get the data into a sync, you can it's a script. You can do anything with it, including uh, remap some of the names of the metrics, which ended up being very important for us because none of the stats D implementations exported a directly compatible set of metrics with Etsy StatsD. Either the math was different or the metric keys that it generated were different. And I wanted to have a smooth upgrade. So after the upgrade, the same keys um, got the same data shoved into them rather than creating a whole new set of of upper 99th quantile metrics for each timer. And that let me keep some really neat statistics on the amount of data I was actually sending to Graphite 
from StatsD as well. So I deployed five machines, ran multiple stat site daemons on each machine. I think like three, nothing totally fancy. With my testing, the values of the, the amount of throughput I could push through those five machines are up in the five or six million packets per second range. In five machines versus... Now, that's kind of theoretical. So I I chopped that number in half, more or less. And I said, my my scaling goal is 2.5 to 3 million metrics a second. Do you still have problems with hotkeys and stuff doing this? Or did that problem kind of get evaporated by using StatSite? I still have issues of hotkeys. I have... I need to upgrade my stats relay daemons, which will help with that. But I keep avoiding. Um, but the stat site daemons are so fast and so powerful that I, the fact that one has double the traffic of the rest of them is is not so much of an issue. That's it will be awesome. at some point. But you know what's what's a couple hundred thousand metrics between friends per second yeah hopefully this will last what 12 18 months seems to last another 12 18 months but at this point the bottleneck in my stats d ingestion is my load balancers i've still got the same number of load balancers and same number of uh, vips in the round robin so uh, which also evenly places me around the two and a half or so a million metrics a second mark. Um, but I also know that with some of the work I've done with network switches, that when you start talking about two and five million packets a second, some of your uh, data center edge rated switches are, well, they're all rated for packets per second they can process. But some of the edge switches that your servers are probably plugged into may have a 2 million or 5 million. If um, The nicer ones have 10 million uh, packets per second um, rates for them. And that's for the and whole switch. That's not per port. That's for the whole switch. So there's and a 48 port switch. Those are optimal solutions for your switch. And the StatSD packets are really small. Um, so... They definitely don't hit optimal uh, switching conditions. And, of course, I have no visibility or information into the hosting provider's uh, networking equipment. So I don't know if they're 8-port switches or if they're 24-port switches or if they're Cisco crazy or if they're the bottom of the barrel. I bought this Linksys or D-Link at Walmart. So... It sounds like we're we're starting talking about future problems rather than problems that you've already solved. Network yeah. capacity and hardware stuff, which is out of our control, really that that's a big one. But what else is there on the radar coming up? What what else is coming at you in terms of scaling this metrics pipeline? This lovely client um, chose a centralized StatsD setup before my time, and that was was what I was asked to patch up, and that is what led me down this this path. If 
I could go back in time and give them a little bit more advice, I would definitely tell them to run StatsD on each hardware machine. So each application reports to a local StatsD daemon, and each machine reports summary metrics to Graphite. Which has... Which, when you want to do aggregation across a tier of machines running the same application, it makes that math a little different. And is, well, frankly, probably why they decided to go a centralized route to begin with. Well, as we've talked about with Prometheus, if you're trying to aggregate metrics that have already been aggregated, you very quickly run into mathematical, fundamental mathematical problems that just don't let you do it accurately. You cannot aggregate a set of quantiles that's a set of 95th quantiles to get a global 95th quantile or 95th percentile. You can't average a set of averages and get the global average. Yeah, and we don't, we don't need to go into, into all the math tonight. I just Oh, but those to... are so much fun. <laughs> of course it is. Especially when you start aggregating rates of change. So if you did a local or a regional deployment of statistics instead of a global deployment, that sounds like it would solve a big chunk of this scaling bottleneck you have with IPVS and the stats relay side of things. Yeah, those are definitely things I'm thinking about as the client moves into multiple data centers across the U.S. Fortunately, most of production is in one place and most of uh, or all of QA is in another place and things are well partitioned. So I could set up stats D stacks in different data centers and target specific environments that would solve some of the problems, but most of my traffic comes from the production infrastructure and the production infrastructure is ever so slowly becoming a more multi data center application. So doing a regional Stats D stacks might help in the short term. I'm not sure if that positions us in a good lo- a spot long term, though. Definitely one of the future problems that I'm going to have to deal with is that sending Stats D data across the United States to different data centers, those network links are kind of dropsy. We've definitely monitored the packet loss rate on those links. Well, also, that, when you have, on bad days, when the network latency goes from 35 milliseconds or so to 250 milliseconds, suddenly an untimestamped packet coming out of a stats box may get put into the wrong bucket more, more and more frequently. It may because, arrive quite a bit late. Yeah. You, you have no guarantee of delivery times when that happens. So at this point, my stats stack is very near our production deployments, which keeps that to to a minimum. As things scale out to other data centers, it's where I'm going to start running into that problem. But right now we have a small amount of traffic coming from other data centers, so it's not much of a concern compared to compared to what we do in production. Are there any ways to get out of the the UDP game entirely so you can move over to a more reliable transport which would let you do reordering and if there's delays in the network you can just retry and resend instead of the 
the craziness about having to be local, both in terms of time and in terms of proximity for the network adjacency. Most of the stats, the stack supports TCP at this point. Not that I don't have to do some more testing there. StatSite supports TCP. Modern versions of Etsy StatsD daemon support TCP. Newer copies or newer versions of my stats relay code support TCP, although it may need some TLC to make that code path work faster. So what I've one thing I've thought about is is continuing to listen on LVS for UDP incoming packets. And once the metrics get in the StatsD stack, then everything is TCP behind the, s- the scenes. Which gives me some data safety. Yeah. Um, but the real problem is I need to start receiving TCP data directly from from the client sending metrics. And that ends up being a lot of different places in, in code to fix and to change so that ends up being a larger problem as well something that i would i definitely wish i could solve more centrally than everywhere somebody's deployed a stats d metric well if you had if if you switched over to a per server model for your stats d endpoint and left it udp but writing to a local udp socket instead of writing over to the network externally could you then switch the reporting of those metrics back to the aggregation point to a more reliable, replayable transport, say a message bus? I've thought about message buses. I've thought about each machine running a StatsD server that does nothing but stick the raw data on a message bus, uh, Kafka or or FQ or the like, which I've I think we've talked about before on this podcast of ours. Uh, once or twice. Once or twice. The problem with the StatsD protocol is that there's no timestamp on the data. The time it's processed by the backend StatsD daemon is, is the time for that packet. So with something like a Kafka busk, I also have to be aware of how long did it take that metric to get from point A to point B. Is this metric still a valid metric for this time window? And there's uh, Kafka and FQ and just about any uh, bus or brokered bus you have will put timestamps on its messages. So there are some different problems there. Yeah, it, it's shifting the work to a different part of the stack instead of leaving it where it is. And it may but be for, a win for parts of it, but I also could see adding complexity and adding more code that we have to maintain and then follow up on later. Yeah, for guaranteeing delivery, you sacrifice time. And for making things always timely, you sacrifice guaranteed delivery. But one of the magic pieces of having, much like one of the magic pieces of using Graphite at all, is you can do out-of-order data inserts. One of the magic pieces about using a brokered message bus is that you can pause or replay the message bus. So if you had, you need to do maintenance on your cluster, you can just pause all the message buses, do your maintenance, and then unpause. Which for Graphite would be a lovely, super awesome feature. Yeah, but it doesn't fit the data model of StatsD very well, if at all. Correct. If I pause ingestion for StatsD, then I still essentially lose that data because when I turn ingestion back on, I'm processing it at the wrong time. 
Hmm. Suddenly the next flush interval is super spiky because it's processing data from the last 10 minutes. So Jack and I are going to be at Monitorama this year. In Portland. If you are a listener of the show and you are at Monitorama, please find us. We would love to chat with you about all things metrics, log, aggregation, visibility related. We we handle lots of these different pieces and we always love having conversations with other smart people about the solutions they have found to these kind of intractable, intractable problems. Ah, the problems of scale. That wraps it up for the 35th episode of the Practical Operations Podcast. We've been Brendan Diesendorf and Jack Neely. Thanks and good night.